Welcome to Gen Z Girlies, the podcast designed specifically for Gen Z women and non-binary folk. This is the place where you can grow your confidence and learn about how to build careers and lives that you'll love. Here you can join a community where we sit down with other Gen Zers who are leveraging their interests and talents to make waves. I'm Maddie Baldwin, your host, your biggest supporter, and your advocate that whatever you can dream, you can do. And this, this is Gen Z Girlies. Hey, Gen Z girlies. Welcome to another episode of the Gen Z girlies podcast. I am so excited about the guests that we have this week. Um, I think that getting to hear about her life and her career is going to be so, so helpful and so cool just in um, getting to hear a little bit about the behind the scenes of everything that she's doing over on her end of the world. But um, as you know, if you've listened to past episodes of the podcast, I always like to let our guests kind of jump in and introduce themselves a little bit. So um, this week's guest, if you want to go ahead and maybe just tell us your name and then maybe like in a few words, what is it you do both in like, what is your title, but then also what does that, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. My name is Michelle Fang. Um, I'm the head of social at Safara. So Safara is a Sequoia-backed cashback rewards program for every trip that you take. So we give you 10% back on every hotel booking that you book with us. Um, I'm also a community builder based in San Francisco. So I love hosting events, bringing people together, organizing community. And I share and aggregate all the tech events that are happening in San Francisco on my Twitter um, so I feel like those two are the, the encapsulation of, of what I spend most of my time around. Yeah, no, and th- that's such a cool background as well. I love like the the two sides of the community and kind of the social side as well and how those pair together. I guess, how did you get into that? Or what did that journey of figuring out that you were passionate about that? Or what did that, that mm-hmm. path and journey look like for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's career is never linear, and mine was never like that as well. Um, So I guess kind of like backtracking, when I was growing up, I always was like a creative person. I loved doing art. I had a point-and-shoot camera and loved doing photography and videography. I had a whole YouTube channel um, as well back in high school. Um, And then when it came time to, uh, you know, applying for colleges and Um, every single application asking you what you wanted to major in and what you wanted to, you know, do in your career. Marketing felt like a very natural next step for me of tying in my creative side with also the business analytical, something that you can, you know, actually make a career out of. Um, So I got into school for marketing. I took my first marketing class and I absolutely hated it. I was just learning vocab, what, you know, the four P's were, and to me, it just felt like there was so much missing out of a curriculum in marketing. And so what I decided to do, and kind of at that point in freshman, sophomore year of college, I was already doing a lot of internships with startups, um, helping them with digital marketing, um, or just social media, or growth in general. And so... I decided to dedicate my education to something that was more tangible and something that 
Um, I felt like every person should just uh, know at some point in their career, which is finance. And so I ended up majoring in finance and continuing to do marketing on the side through organizations, internships, working with startups um, remotely because it was flexible. Um, and then that's when the pandemic hit. And I feel like uh, it was such a huge you know, catalyst for me and, and so many other people alike to really be intentional and show up for the path and career that they were interested in. So for me during the pandemic, the the concept of community and being, you know, just so strong far apart from, you know, organizations and communities that we had identified with was a topic that was uh, of passion to me. And so, you know, ever since the pandemic in 2020, um, really tying in my background of marketing um, with community um, led me to take different roles as CMO of a startup, doing community building when I was back in Los Angeles and now in San Francisco, and then my current role um, as head of social at Safara, which is kind of like an intersection of community, social, and content, as well as growth. Um, and I think like it's really it's it's still always like a journey of you know figuring out okay here's what I'm good at here are different applications of that um, and you know that's led me to where I am today. Yeah, no, I, I love that story, and I think I'd be interested to know as well with um, two different sides. I mean, or two different questions, kind of within that as well. Is so I think you said that you majored in finance as well. Mm-hmm. Have you? Um, what was that kind of like? Like, do you feel like you still use that at all, or? what was it like kind of, if not, what was it like changing back to marketing or what was kind of that experience like? And then also kind of within that process, um, one thing I always love to kind of get from the guests that we have as we're kind of going like into where they started to where they're at now is, I think it's really important to kind of talk about the concrete steps that Mm -hmm. you take to get somewhere. Um, So yeah, kind of like, what did that transition from your degree to where you are, are now kind of look like? But then Also, like, what were some of those, like, concrete um, steps that you took to do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, It's funny because you can dedicate, you know, three or four years of your college career towards uh, a specific subject. And then, you know, you go into the real adult world and then you realize, like, wow, like, none of that applies. Um, And so in my scenario, I think because finance, personal finance is something that Um, you know, is always going to be helpful, whether it's in your career tangibly or in your personal life. I think it's very important for you to understand how, you know, the markets work or how investments work because everyone is doing that. So I found that I've used my finance background and my degree more so in my personal finance Mm -hmm. and just having an understanding of what different terms mean and how the markets work and just understanding, again, we live in such a dynamic Uh, world today where so many things are changing. Um, And so just having kind of that understanding and context is so helpful. I haven't used it quite in my in my (laughs) career per se. Mm -hmm. Um, We do I do use a lot of like Excel sheets and uh, with growth a lot of it is like tracking and analytics. Mm -hmm. So just having like knowing the different shortcuts on Excel is also very helpful. Um, But in terms of like concrete steps, I think you know, transitioning from kind of a marketing background into doing a finance uh, degree, I never really let go of my marketing side. As I mentioned, I did a lot of part-time internships and, you know, collaborated with startups on their marketing. So I still had kind of that experience building in the background. 
And then when the pandemic hit and then I graduated, um, I think there's kind of like a, a unlearning process that you go through, um, no matter what, you know, career you go into or whatever background you had in college, where you kind of realize, you know, school and your career are two very different things. In school, you're taught to follow a very linear path. You study in a certain way. You're graded upon a certain criteria and format versus when you're working in your career, there's, you know, there's always the right direction of metrics and key performance indicators you want to hit. But at the same time, like there's no right or wrong answer, even more so when you're working at a startup where you have so much autonomy and ownership over your work. And you're also really propelled to not think against a playbook or a guideline or like a standard criteria um, because every single person, especially in marketing and growth, that, you know, performs well in the startup uh, kind of landscape are always the people that think against the rules or think of something that, you know, if you brought that in a school environment, you probably get failed or it it wouldn't be counted. Um, But yeah, it's like really interesting because I think no matter what degree you did or no matter what career you pursue, you're kind of unlearning the way that you've been growing up for 18, 22 years Um, and are really just kind of forced to be autonomous, be impactful, and drive value in the way that um, really brings results to to the company or the startup that you're at. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I really love what you were saying about how um, the world's like dynamic and how like even though you might not be using necessarily in your career, your finance degree, you're using it in your personal life. And a little, I mean, different, but a little bit similar in my own life. I majored in film production in school and I I do not do it. Yeah, which is great. (laughs) I had a great time. I loved it, but I don't do anything um, in the film production realm of the world now. But kind of similarly is that I think that you can take those, like what you've learned, you know, from um, those learning experiences and they're going to, you can apply them throughout like this, like you said, like a dynamic world. And um, there's all kinds of different experiences and skills that you learn from everything, no matter kind of what field it is in um, or what it looks like. And I think that like you were saying, is that th- those skills of being able to apply those, um, those, those things that might not have applied in the first place are what really become important in your career. And when you're working in these, um, these uh, environments that require you to kind of think outside the box or um, to be that person to bring those ideas to the table. So I think, yeah, I think that's a really great point as well is that these diverse um, elements or these uh, learning experiences we had also kind of come to impact the the future of our career as well. Um, But kind of diving into just the position that you're in now and what that looks like, I guess for someone who would be interested kind of in what your day-to-day looks like of what it might be like to um, be in a role similar to yours, what would, what would that look like? Yeah, um, I think it's a really interesting question, especially because in startups, titles are just titles where you can have the same title at different startups, but your day-to-day might look very, very different. Um, so as head of social at Safara, um, on the surface level, it might look like a typical like social media manager where I'm managing these channels and creating content. Um, but because my role, A, we're a very you know early stage company still, we're around 15 employees, 10 of which are engineers, five are on the business side, which I'm uh, grouped under. Um, 
and just operating so early on and also like me being a one woman show there's kind of so many different hats that I typically end up wearing um and so you know I'm owning all of our brand channels um your typical platforms like Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook um but also not just creating content to create content but to drive meaningful growth and impact to our metrics in terms of user acquisition, community building, customer support. Mm-hmm. I'm also the first touch point that many of our users have when they're first discovering Safara. Um, and so I'm also kind of putting on that hat of customer support um, and just, again, being like a big brand ambassador for, for our startup. So um, again, like it really, it really depends in terms of the stage of your startup, how big your team is, what resources you have on hand, um, that will always like, you know, kind of shape and mold uh, the the characteristics of your role. Um, but I think, you know, for anyone that's interested in working in a growth or a community um, or a content facing role, um, I'd say it, it takes a lot of like extroversion and kind of being an always on person um, and being, you know, outward and, and kind of always showing up for your customers or your users, um, which I love doing. And I, I find a lot of um, fun just, you know, sharing Safara with the world and, and kind of being that person that they connect with and, and, and meet. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely very dynamic. Um, there's always a lot of things that are changing. And that's kind of why, you know, someone would want to work at an early stage startup as well is, getting that opportunity to really be an owner in your work, drive impact, um, be agile and flexible, um, and just kind of have the confidence that no matter what challenge or what change um, in the broader ecosystem happens, that you'll find a solution for it and you have a great team to do that with. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love kind of hearing about like all like the different parts that go into that. And I guess um, if someone is looking to kind of jump into a similar role, whether mm-hmm. that's in startups, but also kind of in social and kind of get into those like ecosystems, those environments, what do you think some of like the most important like skills for people to build would be to thrive in those environments? And I think you said some of them, the extroversion, yeah. the being ready to kind of jump around, but are there any other kind of maybe like hidden skills that people wouldn't necessarily think that they need to know or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think again, emphasizing like the being agile and being flexible. Mm. Um, So when I joined Safara, we had like zero brand presence. um, And my job was basically like, okay, we have nothing. We're going to start everything and we're going to take it somewhere. Right. And so um, the way that I came in, I just kind of treated our brand and social channels as its own startup of Mm. how am I going to take this from zero to one? Um, And so just really emphasizing, you know, that flexibility and being agile and being adaptable of, you know, you might operate in a certain way one day and then the next day something changes. Um, I think also social is very prone to external influences. For instance, Mm -hmm. there was discussion about TikTok almost being banned. There was a lot of change when Elon first came onto Twitter and made changes to the platforms that also drastically shifted our roles and the way that we were thinking about our content and our brand. Um, and so, you know, hopefully if you're if you're entering a role like this, like you find that exciting and you find those challenges exhilarating. 
um, but definitely emphasizing, you know, being agile. Um, I guess like one hidden thing that I've kind of uncovered during, you know, uh, working on social is like just knowing how to be funny and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with social, especially organic social, is no one wants to be sold to or no one wants to be, mm-hmm. you know, marketed to or promoted to. I think uh, being Gen Z, you like really have that keen eye of like, okay, this influencer was definitely paid or this is an advertisement that's like trying to come off as organic. And the only way to really cut through that is just by being a funny person and by being entertaining on social. So just to like call, give more color to this and like as an example, for Safara, we are hotel booking. We're travel, right? right? Which is pretty right. cookie cutter, right? You go into our platform, you find a hotel, you check out, you pay. But on social, we are trying to take a very humorous and entertaining approach where we'll post memes, we'll make funny jokes, we'll like poke fun at things that are happening or like current culture just to feel like we're more relatable and we're more enjoyable to learn about. And in the meantime, like through these jokes and through these like memes, we're also sharing more about our value proposition and, you know, the different size of our product and our key value offering um you know you can take a very entertaining approach on social but still maintain a very serious you know uh brand um but I think you know that was something that was more hidden that I didn't know because once we started posting memes and jokes it worked and people were engaging with it and reacting to it and we were like Mm -hmm. wow okay there's something definitely there let's lean more into it And then the last thing I'll say about kind of being entertaining is especially if you're at a startup, right, there's no rules or guidelines that you have to play by. And you look at all of our competitors and the more incumbents in our space like Expedia, Priceline, Bookings, is there a brand that you really resonate with or you feel like you enjoy following besides maybe like discounts or, uh, you know, important updates? And for us, we saw that as an opportunity of we're an early player. We're still very early on. So why are we holding ourselves back from creating a brand that really resonates with consumers? Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, I mean, the the, the two that come to my mind right away, which I'm sure is the main ones that come to everyone's mind right now, but is like Ryanair and uh, Duolingo, I think, yeah. some of, like the yeah. really, you know, like the really big like accounts on TikTok that are also really funny. But I think you're totally right on just like the cutting through kind of the noise with that humor aside. And I feel like that was something kind of going back to what we were saying about just like kind of the dyna- dynamic world and um, how you have to like kind of pick up skills. Is that something that I feel mm-hmm. like I've been able to um, personally from my film degree is there was a strong emphasis on storytelling. And so that's been something wow. that has been really interesting, right, for me to like be able to be like, okay, like. I'm not working in this context anymore, but that doesn't mean that I can't still bring kind of my, this information that I learned there and apply it to this different context and use kind of those same skills there. But yeah, I love the idea of the humorous content and TikTok's one of my favorite platforms. So I'm always, always down for other uh, funny accounts. So I'll I'll have to look you all up for sure. Um, Yeah. But so just in your position, as you have been like working to create those content strategies and kind of, um, create those plans do you is there any advice that you think that knowing what you know now that you would have given yourself right when you were starting the position um or also to other to yourself when you were starting but then also to maybe other gen zers who are 
um, starting to kind of get into this field of what social looks like, what content strategy looks like, what advice would you give to them? Yeah. Oh God. I think there's so many little things that I feel like I've picked up and whether, you know, you're creating content for a company or a brand, or you're just creating content for yourself as a content creator. Mm -hmm. um, A few things that I feel like uh, I wish I had known earlier is the first is like consistency is everything. Um, Being consistent, Mm -hmm. being persistent is really how you win on social Um, And the analogy that I like to think of is you can have like one video go viral and get a million views, but you can also have a thousand videos, each get a thousand views each, and you still get to a million views. But the the latter is more valuable because making a thousand videos is really hard, right? Mm. It's going to require a lot of repetitive, a lot of iteration, um, a lot of experimentation. But after you've made a thousand videos... I don't think there's anything else that would feel like a larger challenge um, because you've put in the reps, you've built that muscle of content creation where you know exactly like, okay, this is my, this is what might work. This is, this doesn't work. And you come out with a much more like larger portfolio of experimenting compared to maybe you just had a one hit wonder where one video like accidentally went viral and you are trying to figure out like, okay, how do I do more of that? without understanding, you know, how to create that content. So consistency and persistency is Mm -hmm. everything. Um, Second, I think is especially if you're focusing on organic social and starting a brand account from ground zero, it takes time, right? It takes, you know, three months, five months, six months to really feel like you're getting that return on investment. Um, For example, at Sephora, It wasn't until like five months in where I really felt like, okay, I have a good grasp on our content strategy and our brand voice. And at the same time, we were also seeing the numbers kind of follow on, you know, at at the five month mark, that's when we hit around 3 million social impressions. In the beginning, I was struggling to get 5,000. So organic social takes time. And I think right now, the way that these platforms are set up, it really rewards you for not only being consistent, but also like just spending more time on the platform. I know Gen Z is chronically online. I am as well. Um, And so I know if the advice of spending more time on these platforms is helpful. Um, But yeah, I I see a lot of people, you know, try in the beginning and not get that Mm. signal. And they're comparing themselves to creators that, you know, have already put in a lot of those reps in that time. Um, And they're like, well, I'm not getting the results that I want. Mm. It's not, you know, there's no point in continuing. Um, But my advice is always persist and continue and give it some time. And then the last is just like have fun with it, right? It kind of also ties back to being entertaining and being funny is if you're not having fun with what you're doing and content creating um, and showing up every single day, then maybe this is not the right path for you. Maybe there's something else that's better. But, you know, I think the common thing that I've seen with people that are in content creating roles or doing social is that they genuinely enjoy it and they don't mind, you know, putting in that repetitive manual daily task because they just enjoy it. And so um, that's something that, you know, I would definitely have wished I knew earlier was Mm. have fun with it. There's, you know, it's social, like the worst case, you can just take down a post if it didn't perform well. Obviously, again, be respectful and operate, you know, 
uh, be kind on the internet. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's social. You can experiment a lot. It's free to post as well. So there's huge upside to just starting and putting in the reps. Yeah, no, I think this is all a great, amazing points. Because I think that you really covered too on um, kind of what I've thought about social before, mm-hmm. even in my own experiences that I feel like those are kind of like the mental blocks or the mental barriers that you kind of find is that, um, yeah, you feel like you're, it's either it's too late to start or um, it's hard to have that consistency. And I think kind of hearing that or um, just kind of put into words and being like, yes, this is an experience that everyone has. But if you kind of push forward and keep doing the work that you'll start to see that. And I think that's such an important um, just value kind of too, just across all of work is that that consistency and that perseverance will really take you places that you never would guess until you get there. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a great word for anyone trying to get into social or trying to even build mm-hmm. their own personal brands is to kind of keep pushing and to not, not stop. Um, but yeah, and I think that kind of like uh, spears me into a little bit more of um with social and kind of, I know that there is so much work and so much um, consistency, like you said, that goes into it, but there's also kind of the side of not being able to turn it off or needing to stay kind of on the pulse of trends or what's kind of going on with that. I guess, what does it look like for you to kind of balance that, um, that need from that side of your career kind of with um, your life as well? And are they, do you keep them separate? Do you kind of try to mix them? What does it look like for that for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'm still, I think, learning in terms of how to structure work-life balance that like works well for me. I think work-life balance is going to look different for every single person and based off of, you know, how much work you do want to have in your life. There are some people that want to make work, you know, their entire lives. And, you know, I think that's okay if it makes them happy and it works for them. Um, I think for me, especially being in a creative role, you do need that time off to like really give your brain some space to think and rest and, uh, you know, be creative. And so the way that I kind of like to structure my time as it relates to creativity and being, you know, quote unquote, working as well as like my personal life and what I'm seeing, I think it's important to stay on top of these trends, as you said, and like, know what's, you know, a hot topic or what people are interested in, because At the same time, I'm also a consumer while being a creator. So, you know, I'll always have times where I'm at the movies or I'm, you know, watching something on YouTube and I'm like, wow, that'd be great to kind of repurpose and use for for Safara. Um, And what I always like to do is I like just write it down when I have that thought. I've like always told myself, like, I can remember this without writing it down. And (laughs) 10 times out of 10, I always forget it. So... Um, that's kind of the the rule and the exception that I have when it comes to like work and life of like, okay, if I have a good content idea or this inspires something, like I'll write it down and I'll write enough for myself to be able to revisit this. Um, I think also like every Sunday and Monday, those are my more creative days where I sit down, I try to plan out things for the week and do that content creation and kind of a block so that you know, every morning I'm not waking up being like, okay, I need to like create new content today. Like, how do I even like get started? Um, And so majority of my like creative days are Sunday and Monday. Um, And also with my role, you know, there's a lot of like, more like desk work, like analytics, growth, doing campaigns. And so those are more 
kicked towards like the second half of the week. Um, and so I think it's always like how you structure your time is important and how you make priority and time for the things that matter to you, whether it is within your job or within your personal life. Um, I think time management is like super, super big for um, striking that right work-life balance that works for you. Um, and then always like you will have exceptions to those sometimes. And then you'll also have times where you might be going on vacation where you want to be extra you know, stringent on, on how you define work-life balance. But um, again, like I think everyone is, is still figuring it out and, you know, finding what works. And I think it fluxes based off of, mm. you know, the role that you're in as well as like the stage of life that you're in. You know, I feel really lucky that I get to work with people that are, you know, 10 years older than me that are married and have kids. And I've really learned like, wow, you know, they're, it's very easy to set your boundaries, but also still be a high-performing individual in your organization. And I, I think kind of um, touching on your bringing, like, time management, the priorities kind of side of that as well, what do you feel like it looks like um, for you within, like, the idea of success? Like, do you feel like that's kind of tied to success or does success lie somewhere else for you? Yeah, I think for success – I like to base it off of what values and priorities I have in my life. So just kind of like giving an example for me, like performing well and excellence is an important pillar for, you know, how I spend my time and, you know, the results that I'm seeing. I think like relationships, you know, both personal, professional, creating like fulfilling relationships and circles is also um, another big value that I have. And so for me, I think success is how can I pursue my North Star and kind of tie everything that I'm doing towards this like one like main direction, whether whether it's outcome based or more of like a progress journey based um, and how am I aligning against my values? And so, for example, like performing well, doing excellence um, you know, that can be tied to more metrics, maybe like how many impressions right. am I bringing in? Um, how's the quality of my work? Relationships, on the other hand, you know, you can't really put those numbers towards them. But it's kind of like, okay, I'm on this journey of, you know, bringing people together, creating experiences, you know, uh, working on delightful products that make people's lives better. And during this process, if I'm also improving my relationships, both personal and professional, then mm -hmm. I consider that success. Um, you know, I, there's a ton of different values that I think like come from across like different parts of my life. But I think it's kind of like, well, we're all on this journey. You know, it's never a journey to like one specific destination. It's a journey where we're trying to optimize and make the best of our values. And I think that's what contributes at least to, to my success. I love that. And I love that you were saying kind of making sure that all your values and kind of what you're doing are kind of headed in the direction that you want to go. I think that that is such a cool picture and way to think kind of of both your career, but also personal journey and like what that can kind of look like. And I guess kind of touching on what you were saying about um, just building these circles of, uh, mm -hmm. of people, both in your career and life. And I know that you're really interested in kind of building community and working in communities and like what that kind of looks like. So what does it look like for you personally to to also seek out that community and that friendship? And whether that's in like your career way where you're working to build it or whether that's like personal, what does that kind of that journey, I guess, look like for you as well? 
Yeah, so I'd say like for work, community is something that's, you know, present in every side of our work, right? You know, I'm building community within our organization and with our, with my colleagues. Um, I'm also building community with our users and the people that, you know, book hotels with Safara. Um, I'm also building community through the content that we're creating for Safara and, you know, bringing together the people that are interested in the same subjects as us. And so for Safara, like community is kind of like an always thing. Um, I think what's also really, really like interesting is like the concept of community in our, you know, 20s and going from college where you're part of organizations, you go to class, you're living in the dorms, you're part of a community that is your college and that's, you know, kind of your identity and shared identity with other people. And kind of going back to like, how I got really interested in community post uh, or post graduation and when the pandemic hit was really just seeing like how all of us went from such a structured and kind of set up community to all of a sudden, you know, being remote, being really strong, far apart from other people and the groups and activities that we, you know, always looked forward to and had kind of in our regular schedule. Um, in terms of building community, like on a personal level, um, you know, living in San Francisco obviously has been very helpful for that, where San Francisco as a city is very open, very inclusive, very welcoming. A lot of people are new here because they come in for work or they come in to, you know, do something professional. Um, and because of that, we have such a big homogenous group of people that are interested in the same topics and same kind of professional journey um and there's a lot in common that we all have when I first came to San Francisco I just noticed that like everyone was in tech um for better or for worse um right (laughs) everyone you know had similar values in terms of making an impact on the world and connecting with people and building relationships Um, So when I first came to San Francisco, I started a community living house, and that's where I met Audrey. Um, So I brought together 10 Gen Z founders, investors, and operators that, you know, all we all lived very similar lifestyles, we all had really similar values, and Mm -hmm. just being able to come together, a lot of the people weren't from San Francisco, they were coming from all other parts of, of, you know, the country, Um, And just being able to kind of share that experience together where we were exploring the city together, we were collaborating and helping each other with what we were working on. Um, That was really kind of the moment where community in San Francisco felt real to me and felt like something that I wanted to um, further help with. So that co-living house was for four months. We had an Airbnb, so it was always kind of a, a temporary thing. Majority of our house members actually moved into like formal leases in San Francisco. So we've been here for the past year, um, just in different living situations. Um, And then that's where I transitioned more into a content format of building community where I aggregate and I kind of put lists together of all the tech events that are happening in San Francisco. So people can discover them, meet each other there, and if you're new to San Francisco or just coming in visiting, um, you know, you kind of have like a one-stop shop to find out what's happening. And I think it's a catalyst to them discovering even more of community when you show up to an event where you didn't know anyone, but you leave 
ending up knowing, you know, five more people that then connect you to other people within the ecosystem. So there's so much that I can speak about in terms of, you know, the community in San Francisco. And I think I've been just really fortunate and lucky to, um, you know, come here a year, almost a year and a half ago without knowing anyone and being able to, uh, you know, both receive the help Mm -hmm. from people that, um, are here, but also find roles and avenues where I can support other people too. Yeah, no, I mean, that is so cool. And just really interesting and something I'm super interested to kind of hear about as well and to hear that mm-hmm. story a little bit. And, um, I kind of love what you were saying too, like on the personal end and something, um, I've loved to explore too, is to totally agree about how, um, going from college to kind of, um, into the, the quote unquote, like w- real world afterwards, it's like, um, in college, you kind of, you know, you have this, like the scaffolding that's there kind of for community, for building your career, for next steps. And then once you're kind of out there, you're out there, you know, and you have to kind of figure that out. And what does yeah. it look like to the community, you know, with, without that in place, what does that look like? And um, that's so impressive, just kind of how you went about building that and kind of getting connected in that. And I, I love the idea of that, that kind of that co-living situation um, that, that I think that's such a great, a great pathway to do that. And um, just like you were saying earlier, also thinking outside the box and realizing that um, it doesn't all have to be the way that our parents did it and that we can kind of think outside the box and create, you know, these like these new solutions and these new innovative ways to kind of deal with these problems that we're having. Um, but yeah, I think that that's so cool to hear about. And I think um, so many like good lessons and also questions kind of just for all of us to ask ourselves too on how are we building community? How are we seeking out friendship? And um, what does that look like? But yeah, it's such, such an interesting concept um, that I'll, I'll definitely have to look into more for sure. Um, but kind of just as we're wrapping up, um, one of the last questions I love to ask each of my guests as well, just to kind of get a little bit more of a full picture of who you are, like within mm-hmm. the space as well, is um, just some, what's something new that you've been interested in recently? It can be anything. It can be a book, like a, a new music album, um, a new movie you're watching, but is there something new that you've kind of loved and been interested in that you want to share with, with our audience and our community as well, who might be interested in um, getting involved? Yeah. Um, well, I just turned 24, like a few months ago, and I think... Happy late birthday. Thank you. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like kind of funny too I've been really interested in like just learning more about personal health and wellness Mm. and I think it's so important especially as we're in our 20s and you know being a female as well like there's just so much about our bodies that are incredible and like the way that we like operate and keep ourselves alive and, and all of that um so I've been over a year alcohol-free, sober. Um, and that's been something that, you know, uh, I've been I've been looking more into and, and just kind of learning about like the health implications. Um, I've also been a month free from coffee. I used to be a huge Whoa, coffee okay. addict, um, which kind of, you know, uh, contributed to a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think like recently I've been just so interested in like health and wellness um, the Huberman podcast is another one that I've been following and listening to and being like, wow, it's crazy how much change and improvement your life can have when you sleep at a certain time or when you 
start your day with with sunshine and being outside. And yeah, I think that's something that is like super cool and I'm still learning a lot more about. And I think the more that I, you know, get older, the more important, you know, it's it's been for me. Um, so yeah, that's something that I've been kind of going down the rabbit hole on. No, I love that. I think those are so great goals. I've actually, um, I think I saw it on TikTok when it started, but the, the sober curious kind of movement that's going on and I've been doing it a little bit, probably not, not as much, but, um, (laughs) kind of moving that way as well. So I totally, I totally get that side of it. I think that's, that's such a great goal. The coffee thing. I might leave that one to you. I'm still pretty love my coffee in the morning, but I, I, I bet it is. I don't know if I could do it. So I'm very impressed right now with you, but, um, yeah, that's, that's like, I think some great areas for, um, just our audience to kind of explore and, um, just see someone else kind of in those areas as well. And I guess kind of just as we're wrapping up and closing as well, is there, um, any way that our audience can get connected with you, find you on platforms to follow? Um, what would those kind of those handles or, um, where would that be for you? Yeah, I'd say I'm most active on Twitter. My handle is at Michelle E. Fang, F-A-N-G. Um, it's the same also for Twitter um, and I think LinkedIn. Um, but if you also, also want to email me, my email is michelle at safara.com, S-A-F-A-R-A. Um, you can feel free to reach out to me on any of these platforms. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I know that our audience is going to just love um, all that information you had. And I think that there's so many good secrets and kind of behind the scenes and concrete steps in there that our audience can really use to kind of build their lives and their careers that they love. Um, But Gen Z girlies, for the audience that's listening, as you know, if you've listened to any of our past episodes, you can reach out to us at Gen Z Girly Podcast um, across all social channels. And then at the Gen Z, um, Gen Z Girlies Podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you or hear any suggestions or feedback um, that you have. But thank you again, Michelle, so much for joining us. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I loved um, just getting to talk to you a little bit. But um, Gen Z Girlies audience, this is Maddie and Michelle signing off.